listening to the Living Room North Living Room North podcast. My name is Jake. Uh, super excited to be here tonight. Uh, I'm a small group leader, so I don't always have a choice of whether I get to be here or not, um, but I love it regardless. Um, also, as he said, the second most important thing in my life, uh, second to my salvation in Jesus Christ only, um, is my love for Cracker Barrel. Um, yeah, amen, amen. It is my home away from home, if we're being real. Um, in fact, I'm not just like a big fan of Cracker Barrel. I'm like low-key a Cracker Barrel influencer. Um, so when I was in college, um, me and some friends had this idea of like, oh my gosh, what if you created an Instagram account and like told people all about Cracker Barrel? I was like, heck yeah. So I made this. Um, this is crackerbarrel.jake. Um, you can follow me um, if you want, if you want to learn more about Cracker Barrel. Um, if you want to learn more about new menu items that are dropping, if you want my personal reviews on the new menu items that are dropping, um, you can... Uh, Oh no, I don't have the picture on this slide. There's a picture of me somewhere that exists in the world um, of me trying the chicken sandwich for the very first time. Um, it was amazing. Better than Chick-fil-A, better than Popeye's, Cracker Barrel chicken sandwich, okay? It's the best thing in the world. Um, but I knew I'd made it as an influencer. There was one moment um, where I was in, I was in grad school and there was this one moment where I was sitting in class and there was this lady sitting in front of me and she turns around and she goes, you're Cracker Barrel Jake. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, my daughter loves you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. How old's your daughter? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was 11. That's so like, not exactly my type. Um, but nonetheless, I have a fan. Um, in fact, I have a seventh grader following me on crackerbell.jake, which I don't know if that's, I don't know what that says about me and my fan base, but... It's, it's, it did cause me to stop and go, wait, wait, who actually is following me and I'm just going through? It's like random like bots, like NPC situations. I'm like, this lady from Kansas, she's like 75 years old and she's following me on Cracker Which, you know what, good for her. That's, that's the age, that, that's the age bracket of Cracker Barrel. Anyway, um, but man, it's so funny when you, I don't know if you've ever like looked through your followers on Instagram of like, man, who's like actually following me? Some of you are really smart and you have like private Instagram accounts and like you only let certain people follow you and that's probably what I should do. Um, but I like to spread the Cracker Barrel message, so I just let anyone follow me. Um, <laughs> what I've learned is that there are a lot of people in social media um, in general who follow us, who don't actually know us, right? Like I have no relationship, praise God, because I don't want to get arrested, um, with this 11-year-old. Um, <laughs> I have no relationship with her, but she follows me and knows a lot about me and my eating habits. Um, and the same is probably true about you. If you rolled through your followers one night, you'll probably be like, oh my gosh, you're these random people. You probably follow people and like people from high school that you and your friends like text on the side, like, oh my God, can you see that? She just got married. What? Didn't see that coming. Oh my God. Like, yeah. You all do that. We all do that. We go through and we're like, oh my gosh, whatever. I don't know these people. I have no relationship with you. And yet I follow you. Yet, I know a lot about you. And I might see you from a distance. I might like some stuff that you post. I might see like your latest updates about your life, but I actually don't know anything about you. I'm not actually following you. Tonight, we are in part two of a series called This is the Way. And this is kind of the tension that we're kind of building throughout this whole series is, is this, is that you can be a Christian and not follow in the way of Jesus. Like, like you can follow Jesus in the Instagram version of following Jesus of like, no, I've like read the Bible. I like see some things that he's done. I might like something that he's done, 
Maybe I, I believe some things about him, but I don't actually follow him. I'm not actually doing life with him. Last week, Heath kicked off the series and he talked about how in the very first century, the Christians of the first century, they didn't actually call themselves Christians. That was a term that was given to them by like the rest of the world. There's a political term. What, what they actually called themselves was this. They called themselves followers of the way. Because if I'm gonna follow Jesus, if I'm gonna follow in the way of Jesus, I'm gonna order my entire life around his way. If I'm gonna follow Jesus, I'm gonna do life with him and I'm gonna listen to his words. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna learn from Jesus so I can be like Jesus. Not to know about him, but to know him, to follow him, to live like him. That's the whole point. But I think the thing that, that's happened is that, is that we have settled for this version of Christianity. It's like, it's a Sunday thing or it's a Wednesday night thing. And we have confined Christianity into these days of the weeks and this like hour, two hour blocks that, that we are in community at Brownsbridge or some of you go to other campus ministries at UNG and it's like, man, that is what Christianity looks like to you. Maybe you're like, I got my cross necklace on, I got a little cross tattoo because I'm like cute and edgy. And like, that is what we have settled for. We have reduced following Jesus to simply believing in him. But the reality is believing in Jesus is how you become a Christian. But following Jesus is how you be a Christian. The disciples were not following Jesus just to like watch him do some cool stuff. They wanted to be like him. They wanted to, to know why he said the things he did. Why did he do the things that he did? To learn from him, to be like him. But if we wanna get really honest with ourselves and with you and maybe what you see on campus as you see people who would call themselves Christian, especially in college in 2023, is that we have bought into this idea of Christianity that really looks more like believing and not actually following. Social media has caused us to lose the heart of the word follow. And my fear is that if this is the version of Christianity and the version of Jesus that we're buying into, we might actually be believing in a version of Jesus that doesn't exist. Believing in a version of Christianity that does not exist. We're believing in a version of Christianity that says, hey, I can believe in Jesus, but I'm gonna follow my heart. You do you, live your life. Don't deny yourself of anything. Treat yourself. This is what like culture is screaming at us. It's all about you. You be comfortable. Don't do anything too costly. It, it, like, like take the easy way. That is what our culture has taught us to do. To follow your desires. To follow your heart. That this is the human condition. You don't say no. And the hardest person for you to say no to is yourself. So don't make it hard on yourself, just, just say yes. Hey, you wanna do it? It's gonna make you feel great. That's, that's what your heart is saying you need. That's what your heart is saying will make you feel fulfilled, hard word to say, and satisfied. So do it. It's like when me and my friends are trying to decide where to go to dinner, if they're like, oh my God, we should go to Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, no, something's probably wrong with me. 
because I always want to go to Cracker Barrel. That's always what my heart says. I'm not going to say no to that. I'm not going to say no to the biscuits, okay? Apple butter, put it on there. For some of you, it's like Target. It's like you walk into Target, you have nothing on your shopping list because you're like, Target speaks to me. (laughs) Don't say no. You really need another lotion. You need another candle that you can't even burn in your dorm room anyway, but you need it because it smells like pumpkin spice. Some of you have the Chick-fil-A app and you reach signature status before January was over because you go every single day because it's convenient and it's Christian. So the calories don't count. (laughs) My favorite is we are the generation of the pizza rolls. Like you will pop in a bag of pizza rolls into the microwave because it's girl dinner and and you will throw those pieces of molten lava into your mouth before the timer goes off. <laughs> but, if <there's, laughs> but if there's something that we can learn from a bag of pizza rolls is that when we say yes to what we want, when we want it, we can get burned. Like when you say yes to yourself in your timing, in your way, the way you want it, those are the times that we look back in our life and we're like, man, my biggest regrets in my life came because I could not say no to myself. Some of you walked into the room tonight and you are already taking a class because you cannot say no to the late night hangs and to the late night video games and the late night like really bad food runs, whatever your bad food of choice is. And you walked in tonight and you already feel regret. We're barely into the semester, but you have already set yourself up for so much failure because you could not say no. Some of you walked into the room tonight and you have a lot of regret because you have been in relationships in which you nor the other person had the self-control to say no and you have given too much of yourself and you can't take it back. Some of you, you show up to parties, you show up to functions, gatherings, whatever you wanna call them to make yourself feel better and, and you show up and you do things that you promised yourself you would never do because you have this desire, this, this want inside of your heart to fit in. I don't wanna seem like the weird Christian who doesn't have fun. I don't wanna seem like the buzzkill. I'm just gonna go along with whatever they, they say and whatever we're doing this night because I don't, I don't wanna make it weird. And you look back and you're like, what was I doing? All because you couldn't say no. My question for you tonight is what if the thing you want to do is the very thing that ruins you? What if following your heart actually isn't the best way to live your life? What if the best years of your life are the years that lead to the biggest regrets of your life? And I can tell you from personal experience that it's a trap. I was talking to a friend um, earlier today and, and we were talking about like mouse traps. They have like a mice problem in their home. And we were talking about, yeah, exposed. Um, 
we were talking about mousetraps and he had bought all these like complicated, like super crazy looking mousetraps. And he's like, none of them are working. And then he took like the little wooden one with the spring that's like very obvious that like that's what it is. And he just put them out and every single mouse fell for it. Like, you know, you put a little peanut butter at the end and then pop, you know, they all fell for it. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, that is so obvious. Like if you're a mouse in 2023, have we not learned by now that that is a trap? <laughs> but man, we do the same dang thing. It is so obvious when you're looking back or, or if someone else in your life is looking into your life and going, you are falling for a trap. Yes, it looks appetizing. Yes, it looks enticing. Yes, it looks like it's going to be really, really fun in a moment or really, really good for you in a moment. But I can see on the other side of that, there is not good things waiting for you. There's death waiting for you. But a lot of us have fallen for this trap because we're following our heart. And I don't blame you because it's really difficult to say no to yourself. It's really difficult to, to say, no, 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 I, I, I need to exhibit really good self-control here. I need to not do those things. Like, like that's really difficult. It is so much easier to follow the crowd. It's so much easier to do what everyone else is doing. It's so much easier to do what, what culture has said is good for you. What culture has said these, these four, five, whatever these years are a number for you. It's, it's really easy to say, I'm just gonna do the college thing. I'm just gonna do the thing that, that everyone says, oh yeah, live your life in college and that looks like sex, drugs, and alcohol. And so I'm just gonna do those things because that's what I'm supposed to do in the season and I'll figure it out later. That's easier. But if you're trying to follow Jesus, that is not the way. In his most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had been teaching this large crowd for some time and as he was teaching them, he kind of gets to the end of the sermon and he looks at this crowd. They've been listening to him. He, he's telling them all these things of like, hey, if you want to follow me, it looks like this and this and this and this and this. And then he gets to the end and he's like kind of in a, in a summary of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this to the crowd in Matthew 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And the reason few people find it isn't because it's difficult to find. It's because it's difficult to say yes to. Because it requires a choice. Saying yes to Jesus means I have to say no to myself. Saying yes to Jesus means I have to say no to what everyone else says is gonna bring me life. Saying yes to the Jesus version of life is saying no to any concept of what I think that life is supposed to be. And this is so unnatural. In fact, it was even unnatural to the first century followers of Jesus, like Jesus' core disciples and followers, like, like it was unnatural to them. In fact, the very first time that Jesus is telling his disciples, his followers, what is going to happen to him, they were so confused. Jesus, uh, in Matthew 16, in verse 21, it says this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. 
and on the third day be raised. If you were a Jewish person in this time period, you knew that there was, there was a savior that was coming to the world. Like, like you knew that, that God had this plan to save the world, but, but what people had in mind about the savior of the world was that this, this savior is gonna come riding in on this like fiery chariot in the middle of, of Jerusalem. And he's gonna like help us conquer the Roman empire who was in power at the time and was really oppressing these people. And that was the version of, of being saved that these people had. But when Jesus shows up, he's like, I'm not here to save you from Rome. I'm here to save you from yourselves. I'm not here to save you from political oppression. I'm here to save you from a spiritual oppression. But the disciples are hearing this and like, wait, 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 Jesus. <laughs> what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You're gonna, you're gonna be killed. You're gonna suffer. And maybe they were all thinking this in their heads, but then, then Peter, who is one of like the closest followers of Jesus, who's like really bold and courageous sometimes, he stands up and he looks at Jesus and it says this, verse 22, it says, and Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Peter wasn't trying to be like evil or argumentative. He wasn't trying to like butt heads with Jesus. He's just like, this makes no sense. Like, Jesus, I have followed you. We've followed you for years at this point, and we have watched you heal people. We've watched you walk on water. Jesus, we have watched you raise a dead person to life. You can do literally anything that you want to do. Why does it have to be this way? That's not gonna happen to you, Jesus. And then Jesus looks at Peter Verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And Jesus isn't trying to be like harsh or condemning to Peter. But, but what he's saying is that what I'm about to do for humanity is central to the mission of saving the entire world. And if for you to try and step in and convince me to sidestep it or avoid it or, or, or snap my fingers and, and change the outcome, that can only be the work of Satan himself. Peter, your way is easier, yes. Your way is less costly, yes. Your way might make sense to you, yes. But it is not the way. It is not my way because my way is going to lead to the salvation of the entire world. And for you to try and get in and stop it, that is a hindrance to me. I need you to get out of the way because this is the way. And I'm just putting myself in the story for a moment as like one of the other disciples. And I'm like hearing all this. And it's like, tough. But then Jesus looks at them and he's like, no, 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 just so we're on the same page. Verse 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. If anyone wants to come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, here's the invitation. That's what it is. It's an invitation. It's not something that 
that you drift into casually because you show up to TLR once a week. It's not something that Jesus is gonna force you into because that's not love. It's an intentional decision to accept the invitation to come after me. And if you want to do it, the way is to deny yourself, to say no to you. Self-denial doesn't mean that we hate ourselves. It doesn't mean that we put ourselves down or that we think less of ourselves. It just means that we think about ourselves less. That we recognize that it is not about me. It never has been and it never will be. I'll put it this way, self-denial Self-denial, there's a definition somewhere in here, boom, is renouncing the centrality and the priority of yourself. It's saying, hey, I am not the center of the universe. My needs and my wants do not come first. It's saying, there is someone at the center of the universe and it is not me. There's a priority in the universe and it is not mine. Somebody put it to me this way once. They said, how many people do you know who are genuinely happy when all they do is focus on themselves? Because our deepest anxieties and insecurities come from the fact that we think about ourselves too much. We think about what people think about us. We think about the way that we appear, the way that we dress, the way that we, we present ourselves on social media. The, 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 we think about ourselves so much that it ruins us. It's literally why we call it self-conscious. Come on, you don't even have to be a Christian to realize that there is a self that needs to be denied. There is a self that you and I have that needs to be told no. Not even if you wanna follow Jesus, but if you wanna have less regret in your life. There's a part of you that, that needs to be told no. Like there's, there's a self that's gonna show up to, to a relationship, like a dating, like romantic relationship. And, and you're gonna walk in with this mentality of like, what's in it for me? Like what's gonna make me feel good in this? What's gonna make me happy? What's gonna satisfy me? There's a self that's gonna show up to the party and you're gonna do whatever it takes to fit in because that is what is cool and that is what is normal. You will do anything, you will say anything about somebody else if it means that I get to be included in this part of a group. There's a self that shows up at home with your roommates when they don't do the dishes or they don't clean their beard hair out of the sink. It's a personal frustration. <laughs> And there's, there's, there's a self that's gonna show up and be like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just gonna blow up and I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna have this like really aggressive conversation and I'm just gonna give them a piece of my mind. Or maybe you're the other way and you're like, you know what, I'm actually gonna say nothing at all and I'm gonna hang this over their head but not tell them why I'm angry at them and just be angry at them and not actually resolve anything because I don't wanna have a tough conversation. And that's selfish too. There's a self that shows up when it comes to your family and you're like, you know what? I, I've got too much going on this weekend. I don't have the time to like call home and like check in. I don't have the time to like go home and, and check in.
there is a self that needs to be denied because your self is incredibly hurtful to yourself and to other people. And if you want to love people well, there is a self that needs to be denied. And if you wanna follow Jesus, it's not just about denying the bad things and the hurtful things. It's about denying all things that have to do with you. It's not just saying no to the things that like we all know are bad. Like you don't have to be a Christian and know like, oh, you're not supposed to drink and blah, blah. Like you, you know the things. Like, like those things are obvious. But there's also like the good things that are inherently good that you would say, wait, wait, I have to give that up. Like, wait, wait, if I want to follow Jesus, I have to give up my dreams and my hopes and my plans, my will for my life. Following Jesus means saying, hey, Jesus, if, if, if my dreams and my plan for my life is not an option, I still choose to follow you. Even that means I have to leave everything behind. I choose to follow. I choose to surrender. Self-denial is a surrender of your whole self not just the parts that are easy to give up, not just the things that are Christian to give up, but all of it. That's what it looks like. And I think we could spend a long time talking about that. Surrender of your whole self it's costly as it is. It's not easy. But Jesus actually takes it a step further and he, he, he says this. He kind of finishes that verse and he says it this way. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And this might not like strike us a certain way, but this would have stopped his disciples in their, their the air would have been taken out of their lungs because the cross wasn't a cute piece of jewelry it wasn't a bumper sticker. It wasn't a tattoo. It was a symbol of the most gruesome and humiliating form of torture that existed in the world. That the Roman Empire had perfected to a science is the most painful and excruciating form of execution that existed. And what would happen is, is when a criminal would be executed by crucifixion, they would have to physically take a cross that was two pieces of wood nailed together. They would have to take it and carry it all the way to the place of their own execution, to the place of their own death. The cross, this, this picture, this image of a cross, every disciple, every follower of Jesus, everyone listening would have known, that means I'm about to die. This is the prelude to death. that if you want to follow Jesus, it means something has to die. That your selfishness, your self-seeking, your, your comfort, it has to die. Following Jesus has, has always had a cost. Your convenience, maybe your status, 
some friends. Your idea of what it looks like to live a full life, it has to die. For my entire life, um, I have wanted to be a doctor. Like when I was in the third grade and it was like, dress up like what you wanna be when you grow up day at school. Like I dressed up like a doctor because that's just what I've always wanted to do. And like all throughout high school, like that, that's what I was like aiming for. That's what I was studying for. I wanted to go to college. I could be a doctor. And then eventually I was like looking at med schools. Like when I was way too young to be looking at any of that stuff, I was so excited. because That's just what I've always wanted to do. That's the dream. That's the hope I've had for my life, all my life. So I went to college. I went to the University of Georgia and I studied biology and I was good at it. Like I enjoyed it. It was fun. Sometimes we're getting chemistry, not fun, but everything else was great. I was a bio major. She laughed because she knows it's true. And we laugh at our trauma. <laughs> and I was, I was on the path. Like everything, all the boxes were being checked. Everything looked good on paper. It was my junior year. I was getting ready to take the MCAT, the medical college admissions test. I was studying. I was getting ready. And there was something in me that kind of pressed pause. Something in me that just didn't sit quite right, but I, I kind of brushed it off as like, oh, it's just, I'm about to take a really big test and, and I'm just probably anxious and nervous. It's like my future is kind of on the line and like all this stuff. And so I kind of ignored it, took the MCAT, applied to medical school and I got into medical school and I was sitting there and I was like, this isn't right. And I remember I was sitting um, with my mom in um, the local Chili's feeling God in the chilies. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, mom, like, I think there's something different. Like, I, I know this has been the thing I've been talking about since I was a kid. Like, I, like I, I know, I know, I know, no. But there's something about it that I love ministry. I love volunteering at church. I love leading small groups. And there's just this small piece of me that says, what if this desire and what if this like uncomfortableness that's stirring in me is from God? What if me saying yes to what I've wanted my entire life is actually me saying no to a more full life that God has for me? And what's so funny is my mom was like, well, duh. I'm like you could tell me that like four years ago before I went through all this, but she was like, Jake, that's all you've, that, that's been in you all along. That's been God's plan for you all along. That's been his will for your life this entire time. You just haven't been able to see it. And so I, I talked to some friends like, hey, I don't know what to do. And so I heard about this thing called the residency through North Point Ministries, which Brownsbridge is a part of. And then the way it works is, is you work part-time uh, at a campus like this. And then you take school full-time uh, in seminary, which is grad school that I was referring to earlier about the lady whose daughter loves Cracker Barrel, Jake. And I applied and I got in. And so now here I sat at this crossroads of like, well, here's this thing I've like always wanted my entire life. And here's this thing that like, that I've always said that I was going to do. And the thing that I'm actually really, really good at. And then here's this other thing that like, I, I really, really enjoy. And like, maybe it's God. I didn't know what to do. And then one day, I was reading in the book of Luke, because Luke was a doctor, so let's see what he says. And in Luke chapter five, Jesus is calling the first disciples. 
And, and if you grew up in church, you probably know the story, but, but basically the first disciples were fishermen and they were in the boat and they had like cast their nets out to like catch some fish. They had been fishing all night. They caught nothing. And then Jesus shows up to the boat and, and it's day, daylight at this point. They've kind of given up. They're like cleaning the nets for the day. Like they're done. You don't, you don't fish when it's like really hot outside because the fish don't come to the surface or something like that. I don't know. I'm not a fisherman. That's just what I've been told. And Jesus is like, no, no, no I want you to try again. And they're like, all right. So they throw their nets up, they pull them up. And it was the biggest catch they'd ever had. To the point that like their boats were sinking because it was so full of fish. Like their entire life, like this was the goal. Like this was the jackpot. This was the lottery of being a fisherman was this. You could sell that and probably not have to work for a year. And then Jesus looks at them and he says, now follow me. And I'll never forget reading this for the first time, at least the first time in this season of my life. Luke chapter five, verse 11. It says, so they brought their boats to shore. They left everything and they followed him. They left the fish, their boats, their families, everything. And they followed. I like to like write notes and dates and things in my Bible. And I have this note next to this verse that says, I'm giving up medical school today. December 10th, 2019. And then on August 24th of 2020, I started as a resident in our high school ministry called Inside Out at one of our other campuses. And I remember on our first day of residency, we go on this retreat and when we were on the retreat, uh, one of the leaders of the program was like teaching like in a session sort of like this. And um, he looked at us and he said this, I'll never forget this. He looked at us and he goes, welcome to death. Happy first day of school. Welcome to death. And I've spent the past three years of my life understanding what that means. Because over the past three years of my life, there have a lot of things that have died in me. There's, there's dreams and hopes that I've had forever that have died. There's things that, that I see all my other friends from college doing in this season of their life that, that I, I don't do because I'm not supposed to. And also I've been told that it's not fulfilling, even though it looks really fulfilling sometimes. And so I'm, I'm saying no to that. And there's this like, question in my mind of like, am I really missing out or like, Gosh, there have been some Christmas Eves where I have not been able to go home because we have Christmas Eve services that I have to work at. And that has died. Big vacations that I've wanted to go on with my friends that I can't really afford because they don't, you know, like, I mean, they pay us enough, but like, you know what I mean? Like, not a lot. <laughs> I've said no to like <laughs> Lululemon unless it's from Poshmark. <laughs> Things have had to die. But I can tell you tonight, on September 13th, 2023, my life has never been more, more full than it is right now. I've never felt more alive than I feel right now, getting to do what I love to do. Jesus um, is, is telling his disciples this, this very concept of like, hey, like it feels like you're dying, but you're actually living. And he says it this way in Matthew 16, kind of to close out this conversation, he says, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? What if in order for you to live, something has to die? I, I think sometimes we, we live this like, man, I'm just gonna try and get as much stuff as I can. I'm gonna try and like fill my life with as much stuff and as many people as I can. But, but what I have found in my life is when I'm doing that, I found myself surrounded by stuff and yet I'm never satisfied. There's always something else that I want. Or I'm surrounded by a group of people who like, I, I've tried to like gain friendships and earn friendships because I'm just doing whatever it's gonna take to like please people and make people wanna be my friend. And I'm surrounded by people who only care about the stuff that I have and the things that I do. They don't actually care about me. And I think if you actually evaluated yourself in your life and your friend groups and your friend circles, you might say, yeah, that's, that's my story too. That I'm living, but I'm not fully alive. There is a cost to following Jesus. But what if there's a greater cost not to? What if the best years of your life did not have to be the years of your life that you look back on and you're like, man, I regret that. What if these are the best years of your life? Not because you do what everyone says you're supposed to do in college, but what if these are the best years of your life because you said no to yourself? What if these are the best years of your life because you actually found life in the fact that you died to yourself, that you said no, that you said, it's not about me. I am not the sinner. I am not the priority. It has been and always will be Jesus. What if what Jesus is teaching us is actually true, that the selfless life is actually more life? And not more life like by the world standards, like not more money, not more like status, not a higher paycheck, like not a higher position. Like, like that is not the, the, the more life that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about like joy and hope and peace and things that you cannot quantify. Things that, that if you think about the best day of your life you've ever had, they were probably full of those things. What if that is what your entire life looked like because you said no to all the crap that the world is trying to sell you? And the ironic part about it is that the more life that we receive, it's not for us. It's so that we can turn around and give it back out. That we can pour it back out. That we can wake up and, and we can die to ourselves every single day that the, the joy and the peace and, and, and all the things that I feel, I can, I can go to my roommates when they don't do the dishes or they don't clean out the sink or, or whatever that looks like for you. Like I can go back to them and I can be like, you know what, it's, I'm, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna take out the trash. I know it's not my turn, but I'm just gonna do it. Or I'm gonna go have the hard conversation and I'm gonna go love them well by telling them the truth, even though it makes me feel uncomfortable. Maybe dying to yourself looks like going to a group of friends and saying like, hey, like, I know that this is kind of what we do when, when we hang out and when we're together, but like, I just, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And, and you just knowing to yourself, like, hey, if that means that we're not friends anymore, like, I'm okay with that because I want life. I choose life. Maybe in a relationship, it's like saying, hey, I'm gonna set really good boundaries for us because I wanna protect you and I wanna protect me 
and I want to protect our emotions, and I want to protect this relationship that we have and this intimacy that we have because I want to honor you and love you well. It's not about me. It's actually about serving you well, even when it means it's costly and inconvenient for me. Man, maybe for some of you, it's, it's as simple as like inviting someone to TLR because you have found a home away from home here. But it's not about you. I hope that you love this place. Like I love this place. But there are thousands of students on UNG's campus and, and some of you in, in the workplaces that you're in and the other campuses that you go to, like there are thousands of people who need to have a home away from home, who need to know that there's a community that is for them. There's a God who is for them and who loves them. And what if all that took was you saying, you know what, I'm gonna lay down my pride. I'm gonna lay down my fear of embarrassment and I'm just gonna invite them. What's the worst thing that can happen? They say, no, they're already not here. <laughs> What if the selfless life is more life? It's not really an option if you wanna follow Jesus. Like, like if you're here tonight, you're like, yeah, I wanna follow Jesus. I've been trying to follow Jesus. Maybe it's been difficult for you or maybe you've had this version of following Jesus that you're realizing tonight, okay, that's actually just believing in him, but now I wanna follow him. If that is what you want to do, this is the way. This is how you follow Jesus. This is how you be a Christian, not just become one, be one. This is what it looks like. But I also recognize that in a room like this, there are probably some of you that just came because you heard there's free food or whatever. <laughs> and man, what if you just tried it? What's the worst thing that could happen? You're kind to people? You love people well? Man, what if you just tried? Hey, I'm just, I'm just gonna try it for the next week. I'm just gonna try. Whenever I have a thought that, that, that's really, really selfish, that's really, real self-seeking, I'm gonna say, nope, it's not about that. It's not about me. It's about this other person who's sitting across the table from me or sitting down the hall from me or sitting next to me in class. And, and I'm gonna choose to die to myself and just see what happens. I'd be willing to bet that you will walk away and be like, man, that was really freeing. And I feel lighter and more joyful than I've ever been in my entire life because it's not about me. Man, what would it look like? Even if it was just for a week, if you just tried it for a week to say, you know, I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna surrender to Jesus. I'm gonna surrender to his way. I'm gonna surrender to what he says. Even if I'm not fully convinced about it yet, even if I don't fully believe what he says yet, I am going to follow what he says. The first command of Jesus, the first words he said to his disciples was not believe in me, it was follow me. And as they began to follow, they saw what he was saying was true. And then they said, you know what? I believe that now. I'm not, I didn't really believe it when we started this whole thing, but I believe that now. And so I'm gonna continue to follow you and I'm gonna continue to give you more and more and more of myself because that's what you deserve. Because he loved you before you ever deserved it.